guys. Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. We really appreciate that you're here. We have a fun episode for you guys today. You know, I got to thinking about how much destruction there is happening to roads and infrastructure and everything else with salt that I had to dig into it a little bit. <laughs> I had to. I just couldn't leave it alone. So we had, I, I, I found somebody that's basically a professional on this topic. Right. And uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about um, some video game stuff. We're going to talk about some really, really fast, fast cars. We're going to talk about uh, Jake's dream car is finally, finally yeah. coming about. <laughs> it's finally coming out. But before we get to that, I want to remind everybody to hop over on patreon.com slash overcrest and support the show. It's, That's right. It's cheap. It's like five bucks. Five yeah, not bucks. only is it like five bucks, it is exactly five dollars. It is exactly five dollars. For five dollars a month, or there are larger tiers, but for as low as five dollars a month, you can support the content creation that you love, support the show, keep the lights on here, and it's all not for naught. Because, Chris, you get exclusive content every single month. We record episodes that no one else gets to hear, and you can get some cool swag from us. I know you just sent out a bunch of yeah. stickers and all shirts to people. To, yeah, we sent out just... Took, There's a shirt people got I don't even have. That's true. That's true, because you're not a Patreon subscriber. <laughs> so check it out, <laughs> patreon.com slash overcrest. All right, so Chris, before we get into the news, yeah. I have a little, uh, not a bone to pick. I okay. have I have something, something that grinds my gears. Okay, so okay. I'm doing a oil change on the Is it your 2015. Gearbox? Because <laughs> no, that also does have a gear to grind. <laughs> Need to do that as well. But this is uh, the Porsche Macan that I have. It's 2015. And I'm doing my first oil change on it. And I do oil change. It's easy enough. You've driven that thing enough that you need an oil change. Yeah, surprisingly. Okay. And I'm looking. First, I have to like read online because no one is doing their own oil changes oh, on these not. things. Yeah. So like there's first no all, info. How do you do an oil? Is this something where you have to check the oil with the... Oh, yeah, of course, there's no dipstick. There's no dipstick. Yeah, that's rage point number one. You know why there's no dipstick? Why? They don't want you to change your own oil. They want you to go to the dealership. Did you ask the dealer how much it was? (laughs) I looked it online. It's like 400 bucks. (laughs) It's like... I, oh my god! I, that might be an exaggeration. It might is be it like though? 150 or I don't know. 150 a is a normal oil change. Like if you go to a dealer for a Volkswagen, is it really? t- it's got to be like 100 dollars for a synthetic oil change. I, don't know. I would not doubt if it was 400. dollars But yes, first rage point, no dips. But it does come with free drinks in the refrigerator. I'm sure. Sure. <laughs> to, at the Porsche dealership. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it does. Yeah. Um, but so I have to look it up because no one has a DIY on how to do the oil change on a Porsche Macan Turbo. Because then I'm reading online, it's like, oh, it has actually a dry sump system. I'm okay. like, well, where's the tank that I drain the tank as well here's, as the, here's, here's a question. the pan? Is there a manual for this car, like a Bentley manual? I don't know. You know, like for yeah, our, I know for, what you're talking about. Is there I a manual? I actually kind of doubt it because who would buy it? <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody. So I have to call my Porsche mechanic friend, and I'm like, okay, I'm reading. There's a dry sump on this thing. He's like, um, no, that's marketing speak, basically. Okay. Like it's has some internal also reservoir in the engine block, but he's like, you don't have to drain a separate component or anything like that. Okay, so okay. it's not cool. really. So a dry I did sump. that. And change the filter, which is right down there. And then I hop in the car to reset the oil, like light. Yep. And what, what's the process for that? Oh well, I looked it. I, I googled it. it. I looked it up, and they're like, "You need Porsche specialty dealer part number, etc., yeah. to clear the whole thing." And that's the way it is on my all track. What the hell? It's where I had Chad change the oil on the all track. Yeah. Down at SCI. Okay. And because it's a 2020, yep. he needs a new version of the Vagcom. Most people with a 2020 are still going to the dealer, right? Right. I just went to went to my buddy Chad and we changed the oil there. And he's like, well, I guess I need to update my Vagcom again. 
because it doesn't work. Uh, Volkswagen's constantly yeah. changing the the parameters that you need to do to clear the code. Right. So I'm still, I have the sticker that says when I change my oil. Right, but it the still glass, has the light. But it still turns so out So I went to now. the dealer before I came down here today and just had him clear it for me. Right. That's insane. It's so insane. It's ridiculous that that's what it's come down to. But it, it used was, to be like, turn the turn the key on, turn the lights on, press gas pedal three times. And that's it, like or the even seat. just like go it's through like, the menu to clear it's like it. like up, up, down, yeah, down, yeah, left, right, left, right. BA, BA, select, start. All right, the oil change. <laughs> so that was kind of ridiculous and that's what i ran to rant about a little but it did give me an opportunity to swing by the porsche dealership and check out they're apparently i was like are they selling these tycons like, because they got a few of them out in the lot like hotcakes they're like we I can't keep a, them on the lot is a hot cake like a pancake what's i have a hot no cake? idea what a hot cake is i've never if everything is selling like hot cakes i've that's be, why, because it, you can't find them, Chris. We don't even know what a hot cake is. They're all Take sold your out. hands on one. They're all sold out. That's why we don't know. That's so it's interesting because he's a he's a mechanic, and so I was like, so what do you like? What's going on with these things? They're never going to come back into the dealership. He's like, no. He goes, there's a two year service where we basically look at them like it's an inspection. Mm -hmm. We do nothing, and then he goes, Jake, they had to put a timeline on brake pads because they'll never wear out. People will not wear through oh, brake pads with all the regen. Yeah. So they're telling us to replace brake pads every six years. You know, I've just never, because they'll get old. I've never thought about that. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, it that's does. a really common. Uh, it's a really common item. Also, so what is the what's the lifespan of uh, ball joints and CV joints? Right. And, I don't know, but it's and bushings and stuff like that. When does that stuff start to go bad? Like 75,000 miles? Maybe. So these things. And Tesla included all these electric cars don't need any maintenance. I know fifty to seventy five thousand miles. Yeah, wow. He's like, yeah, we'll bring them in for an inspection at two years, and then six years is a brake pad service. And he said, we don't expect to have anyone go through their pads. We just have to replace mainly them. because these guys aren't going to drive them. Exactly. <laughs> that's well, that's probably, a whole separate point. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So I just thought that was wild. Well, and just I, interesting I, to think about. You're going to start seeing these cars get really expensive because they're the dealership and the manufacturer aren't just going to say goodbye to that money that they were making on all these wear items. That's and what I was trying to figure out. So they're going to their margin because that's on the car, part of their business plan, right? The margin on the car is going to go up. You're going to see the margin go up on them. You're probably going to see. It's probably also why you're seeing like BMW has. Well, if you would like to have this feature on your car, it's a monthly fee of this, that, or the other thing. They're going to find different ways to get money from you. Oh, I'm that, sure. I mean, it, they're not just going to take a bath on well, it. Well, maybe gonna... they'll all just become mobility providers, Chris. You don't buy the Porsche Taycan. You just rent it as a service. Yeah, that's pretty much what it so comes down to. I was going to invite you to come down tomorrow to oh. put in the front differential on the 996 Turbo. I see. Because I had, I've been waiting to put it on because the axles they have uh the cv boots were just rotten so i ordered new cv boots for it and gonna put it all together yeah they're all dry rotted yep, from texas exactly. heat or whatever so i got those finally and so i was like i'm gonna put it in tomorrow i can but i can help you out with that we this brought up a conversation was i'm gonna drive this thing in the winter correct right and i was like i honestly it's not gonna fall apart it's uh, people have given me a lot of flack about right. driving this 996 turbo. I did earlier today. Turbo and that's how, in the winter. That's how this whole first segment came up is because right. I was like, you are essentially destroying this car. And, and I, I, my my theory was, okay, this is no different than the Audi we had in my mind. That's how I'm treating this car. Also not ideal. Right. We're talking about an, Audi, an Audi RS4. I, I never, it's a rare car. Yeah. And 
fact of the matter is it'll probably get wrecked before I would go to sell it. Anyways. Are you, <laughs> are you saying Nikki is going to crash your 9 No, that's not nice to say at all. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Well, the thing is, is that you are destroying the car. Like I said, it'll, no. never, it'll never be as nice as the day you picked it up in Texas. It's not possible. Well, that's not true because I'm doing a lot of things to repair it and no, fix it. it and it's not possible because you're, right. you're, you're I don't like detailing cars and that car looks really nice. It's already been driven in salt this year. You're all, you've already introduced chemical entropy into the car way earlier than it ever needed to be introduced just because you're driving around the salt, which got me to thinking, which got me to thinking, why isn't the state or municipality or anything concerned with the destruction of our private property? Well, because they aren't. I don't think they would be. Why not? Because are, are you planning on suing the state no, it, for destruction obvious, of obviously, my car? Obviously. <laughs> 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 well, if I look at the rusty TDI that I'm driving around right yeah, now because I, I just don't want to compromise. Let me look at the look at the car I'm driving now. Wheels are rusty, rockers are rusty, yeah. hatches rusty, all because of the salt that's on the road. And I just can't I can't justify buying anything nicer that I actually want to keep because I know in five to ten years they're toast. Even new cars, look at trucks, right? All the yeah. trucks that are driving around, the body on frame stuff. They're disintegrating. Well, the especially cabin, Rams the cab boxes in the early 2000s. Like they were Silverados, really bad. all this stuff, all is just turning into a rusting, hulking, hulking heap. Which, So you me, wanted to figure this out. I wanted to figure this out. I'm like, why is this happening? Why, surely, that there's, there's an alternative. Like, surely. So, so, particularly in Minnesota, I found out that 730 million pounds of salt are dumped on Minnesota's roadways. That wow. doesn't take into account any parking lots, driveways, sidewalks, any other thing that isn't just what the Department of Transportation is putting down. Right. It is a ton of salt. It's actually, uh, what is that, 400 and something million tons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, if we're talking actual tons, which we are, yeah. it's a lot. Yeah. So salt is, if we go back to chemistry class, sodium chloride. And that sodium chloride corrodes not only vehicles and bridges, but it can also be harmful to pets, to the environment. This yeah. stuff leaches off the... Uh, Changes the pH balance of water, waterways, everything. It's, washes it's, in the groundwater, lakes, rivers. It's toxic to fish, you, the aquatic is, life. Is far, from your eating habits, I'm, I would assume that this would be a right up your alley because you put too much salt on everything. Oh, yeah. We went to... <laughs> where did we stop We for? were in California at that little cafe, and I'm sitting there eating my food, and I'm like, oh, this tastes pretty good. And you're over there just heaping salt on it. Yeah. We got in this huge fight, and I said, hey... If it does, if it needs salt, then it uh -huh. wasn't good in the first place. It should just taste good when it's delivered to okay, you. Okay, Mr. Dr. Ketchup, because if it's served with something other than Heinz, that's how it was designed, Heinz Chris. Is a, Heinz that's is a, how it was designed. There's a difference. Heinz is a condiment. So Ketchup is salt. Is, salt is a season. Salt is for a season. Yeah, and thing. you season to your taste. That's the instruction on every single recipe. If you've ever cooked anything in your life, yes, Chris, of course, it is in the recipe. Aside from mac and cheese that comes out of a box, <laughs> it, am I wrong? No, that is true. However, <laughs> it's to season in the recipe, not afterwards when it's done. If I make something for you and I put my heart, soul, and love into it, and I say, Jake, here's this macaroni and cheese, and you put salt on it, I'm going to be offended. Why? I would just salt it. I'm 100% going to do that, and I have done that at your house. <laughs> all right, anyway. So anyways, all right, so sodium chloride, it actually dissolves into its constituent parts when it's put on the roadway. So it has one part sodium and one part chlorine, or actually one ion of sodium and one ion of chloride. The free-floating ions 
work to reduce the freezing point of water. Quote, in sodium chloride's case, down to about 15 degrees Fahrenheit in real-world conditions. Well, think about salt water that's out in the ocean, like in the, in, the, in the Arctic. It has to be much colder than 32 degrees to form an iceberg. Correct. Yeah. Which it is, turns out. Um, now, sodium chloride itself isn't the only road salt available. There's also different types. There's uh, calcium chloride, magnesium chloride. Which is... W- Huge in circulation. I mean, most places use this, and we'll find that out with, from our guests. Here's the problem, though. It's much more expensive. It's like three times more expensive than just, than salt. just regular salt. Well, regular salt, salt quits working at 20 degrees. Correct. So that's why they add in these other types. And the calcium chloride and magnesium chloride are more complex molecules. That's really hard <laughs> to say for some reason. That distribute more ions when they dissolve in water further lowering the freezing point of water to your point. Right. However, they also create more effective electrolytes than sodium chloride and quote, thus prove even more devastating to your vehicle's sheet metal. So, so how is this, this, how's can, this actually work? Can this also cause galling? It causes problems with aluminum too. You know, that white crusty nasty Correct. crap that you get all over aluminum. It's not just steel and iron. It just causes all kinds of corrosion and galling issues in other places, especially if it seeps in. Right. Things. Aluminum just reacts differently to right. the chloride. So, Uh, Even without the salt dissolving ions helping things along, here's what's interesting. The hydrogen set free in the initial rusting process actually creates a mild acid, which dissolves in the water and attacks the metal. That's kind of like when you, I was looking up how to, I I took the door off my house. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to make this a rusty door. And what do you use to rust the door? You use some sort of acid, right? You use lemon juice and hydrogen peroxide. Yeah. And it basically, it rust washes the door. Yes. So you're just accelerating the process, and this is what's happening with the salt. Right, and it's it's also a type of electrolysis. They say, actually, like, if you have bad grounds on your car, it'll exacerbate the problem. That's why that one device existed, right? The grounding device? Where yes, little, you're right! <laughs> the little, little <laughs> thing that would drain. Yeah, yeah, that it was, like, the most ridiculous uh, invention. It grounds the whole car to the ground. Yeah, so once this rusting process starts, it acts really quickly. The iron oxide molecules take up more space than iron atoms, so they start to expand, Chris. So carbon dioxide in the water combines with the iron to create iron hydroxide, another form of rust that easily separates from the base metal, and then none of this process stops unless the corrosion is removed and the base metal is protected by some other form of barrier. So or there's it turns, no way of stopping it, or it turns once to dust. it starts. It turns to dust. Yes. That's what, the other alternative. What I took out of this that I thought was interesting, it's not just the salt is a catalyst to rust, it's that it's also forming an acid basically makes it go much faster right. as well as expanding the metal itself once it gets in what's it gets in there it, it so sucks. it just it eats through it in three different processes sounds a lot like government regulation <laughs> so i needed to find out what was going on and if there was some sort of alternative cuz i'm thinking with all this chemistry all this technology we're like head swapping people and and doing heart transplants <laughs> Wait, did that work did the head swap guy work I'm, i don't think that worked i'm not sure i didn't hear I'm much sure. about head swap guy but you can if my arm falls off they can reattach my arm surely we can find a way to not rust out these cars and find another way to to melt this. See, a lot of people have said, oh, we'll just put coils and make it thermal, the road's thermal. But that's not practical. It's too expensive. The maintenance would be crazy. Right. So there needs to be a different chemical process. Um, so I called up Jay from Road Solutions Incorporated and asked him about something called beet juice. And when I say beet juice, I mean actual juice from beets. From and- the vegetable. From the vegetable. So th- bear with me. And I'm I want excited you- to hear about yeah, this. Yeah, let's listen to uh, Jay from Road Solutions. 
Jay, thanks so much for answering a few questions for me on uh, on the beet juice. I'm trying to figure out why some of the municipalities and the DOT are still using, you know, the the rock salt concoction that they're using on the roads today. Why hasn't everybody moved over to just using beet juice? It sounds like you've got a lot of municipalities that have. I'm just wondering uh, why some have not. You know, some of it happens to be, and that's a great question, Chris. Uh, some of it happens to be you, you have DPWs that have become very entrenched and comfortable with their process for winter road safety. And, they, you know, they're very focused on doing the right thing. And they're very used to their old methods of, of going forward and, and taking care of winter uh, road safety and melting snow, ice, and hardback. So the, the old methods and the you know, proven methods have been taking rock salt, sodium chloride, the street salt that we see coming out of the back of the trucks, and adding a, an enhancer, which happens to be either calcium or magnesium chloride, uh, because they work. And the difficulty that most of the street departments and cities and towns have, counties, is that what happens when the temperature of the road, surface of the road, and the air temperature are below 20 degrees Fahrenheit. And what happens is rock soil will not work. It'll sit there and just get blown off the road by wind and, and trucks and cars. And it ends up on the side of the road and the medians and so forth. So but a lot of the taxpayers' money is wasted that way. So they add calcium or mag to it, and that gives them a, a lower operating temperature. At a cost, it is uh, far more expensive to use calcium chloride and mag chloride on salt than it would ever be to use geomelt, which is a an all-natural, environmentally sound plant extract uh, actually grown in northern Ohio, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, Iowa, Idaho. Uh, the reason it's grown in a lot of those areas, even Colorado, is that it likes certain temperatures. It likes cooler temperatures sure. than certain types of soil. Now, what is sugar beet grown for? It's grown for the sugar. Right. You know, well over 50% of the sugar used in the U.S. is now, and it's going up every year, from the sugar beet extract. We buy some of that product every year, millions of gallons. And we blend it into the additive known as the patented product, GeoMelt. And that gets put into salt brine. And it gets, and, and salt brine is probably known by most people as that liquid they see spraying out of the back of the truck. Uh, but also, a lot of what's still being sprayed is calcium and magnesium, which is extremely corrosive to your vehicles and the bridge and road infrastructure. Well, you just imagine so, what the what the cost of uh, the depreciation of vehicles as they become destroyed and undrivable. If you look at some of the, especially some of the body on frame trucks that are around, they're just they're done after like ten years. You've got a forty thousand dollar truck that's essentially worth you know ten bucks because it's it's worthless. Plus, you have the cost of the you know the destruction of the infrastructure, whether it's you know it, it bridges or the road itself or whatever. I mean, this has to this cost must be astronomical when you think of the, the cost of the private citizen and what they've lost in terms of their own cars. It is. It, it is. And, and it's very easy to look 
at trucks and semis and larger trucks to look at their frame and to see the frame literally corroding and being rusted by these chlorides that, you know, damage them drastically. And uh, there's been studies done. Uh, I think the last one was done by Michigan, uh, University of Michigan, and then there was one done by Iowa that compared the, the bridge life in a snow belt region to the bridge life, say, down in, in Alabama or Florida in the southern states that don't get snow. And the bridge life's half. It is 20 years in the snow belt and 35 to 45 years in the non-snow belt areas. And these bridges are Just millions and millions of dollars. Millions, yes. Not millions, billions. It's It's... Astronomical, and then, of course, there's other parts for that, but uh, it is—it's a, a, a very large number. And in fact, Minnesota, uh, it was either it was in St. Paul when the bridge collapsed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that bridge collapse was was basically the engineers proved that it was uh, the salt, but the salt treated with calcium, and that there was metal fatigue and failure of the metal inside the bridge decks so uh caused by that uh additive so your product the geomelt and if used properly is it gonna it's gonna cause the cars to rust a lot less it's gonna be easier on the infrastructure by by how much i mean they obviously some people are going to be mixing you know salt brine in with your product and using it how much better is it for everything well whether it's put on straight rock salt in a a granular form or whether it's blended with salt brine, which is the preferred method, uh, there is at least a 70% reduction in corrosion by adding the GeoMelt 55 to that uh, process. And that that can be increased into the high 90 range uh, by using GeoMelt with an additive that we also put in. Yeah, it's, it's possible to not eliminate rust and corrosion, but to reduce it to a point that it's very manageable and uh, prevents the damage to, you know, let's face it, a, a, a car rolling out of the factory nowadays, you really can't find much out there that's under 20 grand uh, worth driving. And the corrosion starts the day you drive on a, a snow, snowy day that has salt. Right. Yeah, I'm, I take my. Want, I have a seventy-two nine eleven. I take it out on the first snow, just to drift it around a little okay. bit and have a good time, and then it gets put away for six months. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's that's problematic because even if you take it to a good car wash and do an underbody wash, uh, many of those underbody washes will get off ninety uh, some odd percent of the soil. But here's the problem, Chris, is that you're actually brining out the small remaining amount and it's being uh, forced into the nooks, crannies, cracks, seams, nuts and bolts of the vehicle. And unless somebody uses a a really good uh, neutralizer, you can't get the the damaging salt brine off the vehicle correctly. Even if you put it up on a lift and pressure washer, you're going to still leave... uh, one half to one percent of the salt 
in some of the bad areas, meaning the areas you don't want it left on that vehicle. Well, anywhere you can't wash it is where you don't want it because that's where it's going to sit and rust anyway. So how, what temperature does this stuff operate down to? You said kind of 15 to 20 degree, 15 to 20 degrees is the limit of some of the other stuff, unless it's specially treated. What does yours go down to where it still works? Yeah, the facts are very straightforward. Um, the rock salts, in effect, are much below 20 degrees Fahrenheit unless it has calcium on it. With calcium on it, it, it will be effective in that uh, zero, minus three, minus four, minus five degrees Fahrenheit. Magnesium added to salt, rock salt, will do a little better, maybe minus eight, nine, ten degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, we're effective down to minus 25 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, that's why we do a, a very good job in, in uh, parts of uh, all throughout Canada, but also in parts of Europe also. So, Well, that's awesome, man. I, I really appreciate your time and talking with me today. And uh, I'm <laughs> honestly, I think I'm going to call MnDOT and see what their problem is, see if we can get this taken care of. You know, we need to, as drivers of... Uh, cars because we we have this compromise where we we want to drive a nice car in the winter but we don't want to ruin it so you have to buy a car that's not so nice that you you don't want to ruin it but it's nice enough that you don't hate driving it so it's this weird weird compromise so we're uh we're on your side man we're going to try and i'll try and call minnesota and see what we can do well, minnesota has some information from uh, both road solutions and sni solutions so it would be an interesting phone call you probably have some Good, good, solid answers from them. All right. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate your time. All right. Have a good night. Take care of yourself, Jay. So I ended up talking to Jay a little bit after the interview as well. And it sounds, I was like, hey, you know, what happened in Chicago? He said they had an account in Chicago. And okay. just to get them to even think about doing it and switch over took three years. An engineering study and in total financial study. And ended up uh, saving them 35% reduction, I think, in the amount of... Uh, usage which is huge right 35 percent. if you could save 35 percent on anything that's a huge amount of money plus the, the he said the infrastructure is immeasurable because you have damage not only we're talking about cars right that's what we care about as cars but think right. about the bridges not think only about, that too i mean you could appeal to everyone by saying this is also a huge environmental issue yeah. which it is that's not hyperbole to say yeah, not, like, to, not to say that the beet juice doesn't have environmental issues as well, because it, 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 it does. Not It doesn't seem to be anywhere near what salt is. but No, there, um, there aren't as many studies on it, of course. So, but. so Chicago does this, New York City does this, but we don't for some reason. And some of you, wherever you live, if it's snowing and you need a salt, you may want to check and see if uh, your local Department of Transportation can switch over to something that won't destroy your car and won't destroy the infrastructure of the city around you, which in turn should save you money on taxes in the long run. True. All right. What else have we got today? All right, Chris, we have a brand new world's fastest car. Okay. What is this? So thing? this is the SSC Tuatara. And honestly, I, I really don't care much about hypercars like this because they're just so out of the realm of anything you or I see on the road or can drive ourselves. Right. But the, the way I look at it as when you, now we have formed our opinions, right? I'm an old man. I'm very... As you may have noticed, I'm very entrenched in what I like and don't like, and I am not afraid to tell anybody. Uh -huh. Think about being, think of 10-year-old Chris seeing this car and not having the having my opinions formed yet. I'm not in love with a certain brand. I just, right. I just like cars, and I like, and I think that this is a cool thing that could inspire 
young enthusiasts. They see this oh, and they're inspired by it. For me, I don't care about supercars so much, but young kids, young, you know, maybe teenagers, stuff like that, might love this thing and it might inspire them to well, be a little I harder. love this thing too, the more I read about it. All right, so well, tell me, me about let it. Let me, me tell you. First of all, it. I knew nothing about it because as I said, I didn't care. So SSC as a company, SSC North America was Shelby Supercars Incorporated. Carol so, Shelby. No. No. It's no. not. <laughs> it's an American automobile manufacturer founded in 1998 by owner Jared Shelby, who has no relation whatsoever to Carol Shelby. Do you think Jared one day went, wow, my name is really close to it. I should make cars. I should just do it. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't you? All right. So that's what SSC is. And the Tuatara, not Tarantula, as I always read it, uh, that's actually a different animal. It's a reptile which is native to New Zealand. I didn't know that. What kind of reptile is this? Is it a I don't know. It looks like a lizard type thing. Does its tail fall off when it gets scared? <laughs> I, I, maybe. <laughs> well, no, that's amphibians. No, that's lizards. Those little lizards that run in my, my yards. Geckos. Yeah, their tail falls off all the time. Well, only if you try to pick them up by the tail. My cat does that. And then all of a sudden, there's <laughs> just like this little twitching tail sitting on the porch. All right, regardless, the SSC Tuatara is a $1.9 million 1,750 horsepower hypercar. Wow. The power plant is a completely unique new ground-up design. It's a custom all-alloy flat plane crank 5.9-liter twin-turbo V8 that redlines at 8,800 RPM. How much uh, horsepower do the electric motors make? None of this is electric, Chris. Yes! There's so no electric. No, it's not electric at all. This is it's not awesome. a hybrid. This is purely a gasoline. Do you want to hear what engine. this thing sounds like? Absolutely. Listen to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of boost oh, yeah. pressure right there. <laughs> so basically this thing goes just starts pulling and he doesn't really i didn't want to play the whole clip because it just gets there's a lot of wind noise yeah but you can tell he when he really rolls into it you can oh hear the goodness. throttle open and you can hear the whoosh just of the turbo just ton of boring boost. boost in well and so it's a completely bespoke engine and listen to this the connecting rods alone are made out of a special grade of titanium that cost over ten thousand dollars for the set of eight so wow you'd start to realize why it's a $1.9 million car. Yeah. The exhaust valves and the oh, turbine wheel. <laughs> we have $10,000 rods. We're still a long way from well, $1.9 million. True, but those are probably the most expensive connecting rods I've ever heard of. Yeah. The exhaust valves and the turbine wheel are made out of an ostentatic nickel-chromium-based super alloy O'Connell, which is the same alloy O'Connell that, uses, that SpaceX uses in the Merlin engines that power the Falcon 9. Okay, that's a lot of engineering speak that it, I don't understand, but it's it just, sounds, it sounds good. Some crazy type of alloy, yeah. okay? And here's what's really blew my mind. Even the electrical setup was deliberately over-engineered. Quote, we used machined gold pins for every connector in the electrical harness so we won't ever have to worry about corrosion. There's your, solves your problem. That, <laughs> just solves you machine your, <laughs> all of your connectors just, out of pure gold. Just machine everything on your car out of pure gold. You won't have to worry Zero about Zero corrosion. corrosion. Yep, just then you can drive in it. You could drive this thing in Minnesota and never You're have right. electrical problems. I love it. Yeah. That is literally what we need to do. <laughs> as long as they don't put the convenience control module under the carpet of the floor. <laughs> 
All right, so so back to the record. The SSC hired hot shoe Oliver Webb, who is a British sports car champion and hot a veteran. Hot Did shoe. you like that? That was my that was my terminology. What's hot shoe? He's a hot shoe. Just is, he's like a racing driver. He's a hot he's, shoe. He's a, he's a fast guy. <laughs> okay. It's better than saying hot guy. Well, <laughs> well, you'll notice it doesn't say hot sandal. So the guy probably doesn't wear Birkenstocks. He's... He's not one of those guys. That's true. Yeah. All right. Regardless, he's a British sports car champion and veteran at the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Quote, on that very last run, I spent the last two miles in complete tears for no apparent reason. I had no idea why, he revealed. I got out of the car and sat on the tarmac. I just sat there for five minutes and didn't speak to anyone. And that's when I decided that was the last run. You know, it kind of reminds me of when I was driving my car and the experience I had where I just start crying. It's just like an emotional It's just like a, it's an emotional overwhelming. Yeah, it's just yeah. your body doesn't know what to do with the emotion that you're having, so it cries. I mean, you can cry from happiness, sadness, joy, everything, but it's just, I think it's your circuit breaker and, and your body going, this is too much emotion. Does not compute. Yeah, and then Overload. you start crying. You start crying, yeah. So at that crucial moment, Webb himself wasn't even aware of the record that he broke. Quote, the Speedo in that car tops out at 300 miles per hour. I had no idea that we'd done 331. All this engineering work and that's gone to the car, and the Speedo doesn't even go over 300 miles an hour. Maybe because no one ever thought we'd need to go over 300, just thinking if you could get anywhere near 300, that's good enough, is what he said. So on the remote stretch of Nevada Highway 160 between Las Vegas and Parumph, Parumph? Where the hell Parumph. is Parumph? That sounds like an automatopoeia word. Yeah, it does. So the two Antera achieved a two-way average of 316 miles per hour for the official record with a peak speed of 331 miles per hour. Oliver Webb, my favorite quote from him after he was done with this interview, he just said, no one really needs to go any faster than that. Tell all the guys at the, <laughs> tell all the, guys at the salt flats that. They'll tell you that is absolutely not true. Something tells me that... Uh, that our hot shoe Oliver Webb is going to be back in this thing to see if they can push it a little further. Because he said in another article that it, it, he's like, more. it could have gone more, there's but more. there was crosswinds. Good grief. I wonder how much uh, downforce there is on that thing at 330 miles per it has hour. has to be a lot. Got to be a lot. All right. So in today's Chris was right segment. Oh, geez. <laughs> uh-huh. France is going to be taxing cars that weigh over 1,800 kilograms. Which, Which is, is what in our non-metric? 30, uh, 3,900 pounds in, in patriotism pounds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> vehicles such as SUVs that weigh more than 1,800 kilograms will be subject to a new tax in France after the government decided in favor of the eco-friendly measure this week. Ecology Minister Barbara Pompili has confirmed the move, which was then rep- was first reported by news source Les Echos today, Wednesday, <laughs> on, on, on Wednesday. A new tax will be part of the government's 2021 finance law. So, hey, surprise next year, which is which is pretty quick. Um, It is actually she, the minister of transportation, says the increase in the vehicle fleet is more materials and energy consumed, more pollution of an available public space. The the weight penalty. This is translated from a tweet, so it's a little weird. The weight penalty that we are introducing is a strong and necessary signal to better take into account the ecological footprint of the heaviest vehicles. Why do European uh, government officials have to sound so dystopian with their name? She's the minister of transportation. <laughs> it seems like she should be up there with like a big logo behind her on a little podium. Darth as she, minister. As she's like, <laughs> we must, we must tax. We must tax. Um, so the tax will apply to vehicles such as SUVs, but will not. Here's, here's, here's the, this is where I got pissed off. Okay. okay? 
The tax not pissed off yet by this. <laughs> well, at first I'm just like, well, they're just gonna start yeah, taxing. another tax. Okay, another tax. Okay, because they tax everything. They, they tax luxury cars. They tax there's gas tax. There's guzzler tax. There's all kinds of taxes. There's tax on everything. They want your money. Okay, uh, the tax will apply to vehicles such as SUVs, but will not apply to electric or hybrid models. Really, really. So this isn't just a tax about how much weight you're it's carrying not a tax. at all. It's not a tax. This is. This is what I'm talking about when I say that things are becoming illegal by regulation and taxation. They're manipulating your choice, which eventually is going to make choice well, ir- irrelevant as the desired decrease in demand for the disaffected cars are discontinued. So they're trying to encourage, they're trying to affect your buying habits. Right. right? This is exactly what they're going to show. Yes, you can drive that, but guess what? It's going to cost you X euros, X communism dollars more. Okay, so they're going to charge you this much more to even drive your SUV. So what you should probably do is buy the hybrid or electric version. We're not going to tax you anything. In fact, um, you're going to get all sorts of tax credits because you're driving that. Uh, Electric vehicles and hybrid models will not be taxed, nor will, quote, family vehicles, such as larger vehicles that a family owns to the size of their household. Oh, thank you, minister. Thank you, minister, for your support and understanding that I have a family, and thank you for my permission to drive whatever I would like to drive. Figures from WWF France. Wait, the World Wrestling Federation? (laughs) The World Wrestling Federation of France. Yeah, Hulk Hogan. Le Rock. (laughs) (laughs) Le Hulk Hogan. Le Andre. (laughs) Uh, Show the SUVs represent more than 38% of vehicle sales in France. Early this month, the NGO denounced SUVs for their crushing impact on the environment. Let's uh, not worry about, you know, shipping, the production of batteries and, and, and strip mining. And, um, but news of the new tax comes in the same week as the government confirmed. Oh, this is really convenient, Jake. Okay, this what now? So what do we get now? Uh, news of the new tax comes in the same week as the government confirmed that grants of 1,000 euros would be available with no conditions attached for anyone wishing to buy second-hand electric cars in France. <laughs> Further aid would also be available for lower-income families. So they are doubling yep. down. If we can't tax you into doing what we want, maybe we can just socially engineer it from the bottom up. This is awesome. And uh, ironically, only the rich are going to be the ones with the big cars. So you're going to have regular dudes yep. with their French bread shops or whatever they've got going on over there. They are baguettes. Yeah, with their little beret on. They got, they, they're got they driving. <laughs> to get to their beret shop, they're driving little electric cars, <laughs> while all the regular people that have a little bit more money are going to be able to afford to pay the taxes and drive these other things. Or you know, buy the big electric cars or whatever the case may be. Everybody else is going to be getting a tax credit so they can drive a 2009 Nissan Leaf. Le car. <laughs> yeah, Nissan Le car. So I, I don't know. I just, it's just more, you know, you know, I hope, I hope America is the last to fall, right? I hope we are just, it's going to be, I want this moment. I see this moment in my head where America is like the Ali versus Frazier moment where we're just standing up with our, with our hands and our boxing gloves and France and Germany and England is just laying there on the ground, decrepit with their crappy transportation. No way to charge any of their cars. The power grid has failed. And we're just like, yes, with 900 horsepower chargers and challengers yeah. and everything else that we've got going on over here. We've got a Bronco. We're going to drive over your car because they're not even going to be able to have the Bronco. They're not going to be able to have anything. No, of course not. So it's like, an SUV well, and it has a gas in it. There's, there's nobody's, they're not getting the th- new th- 450Z or the 390Z or the 350Z or whatever the hell it's called. They're not getting that because of regulations and the sound requirements for cars in Germany means all the AMG cars and now four cylinders. It's all going to shit. It's all going to shit. But guess what? Over here, we're doing Broncos. We're doing Chargers. We're doing Challengers. (laughs) I'm a European car guy. I might have to give up. I might have to give up. Oh, man. You know, it's I I just want to be if even only for a little while. Obviously, things are going downhill, but I just 
I want that moment. I, I do wonder if there's going to be any sort of a recoil effect based on... On what? On, okay. Oh, sorry. We, we didn't mean to do this. You actually... Have, when was the last what time What about you, the infrastructure? Who cares? They don't care. They'd so rather... So when everyone guess can't... What? Plug, guess what happens? What? Guess what happens when the infrastructure fails? Public Take transit. the bus. <laughs> Take the bus. Take an Uber. Take a this. Take a this. Don't worry about it. We'll, yeah. We've got you. It's under control. These buses are super clean. They run on propane. It's no problem. <laughs> oh, just ride this light rail. Yes, we closed down the interstate for six years okay. in Minneapolis to put a train in and stop traffic for hundreds of millions of passengers just so like six people could do crack on the light rail at two o'clock in the morning. Here's, here's, that's the ideal situation. And that's what you're going to be driving around in when they... Screw up the whole infrastructure for your car in the first place. Yes, that's they don't care. There's a backup plan. Here's the thing, Chris. If I wasn't into cars as an enthusiast, if I was the 80% of people out there who look at these things as their appliance. 80%? No way. Did you 95 see? 95% of people that think of no them way. as their appliance. No, it's I, 99% no. of people that think of cars think as the their Ford appliance. Do you think the Ford Bronco is an appliance? It is a nice looking appliance that has heritage to it. Why However, do they? Why do they care that it has heritage? Because they know that's cool. because it's cool. Because right. they're enthusiastic about it. You're making it seem like everybody wants to drive around in a Prius and nobody cares. That's the, not would, true. We've had this argument before. I know we have. The, the car is one thing that when you're driving around, you're being seen by thousands of people on a weekly basis. That you can define who you are by what you drive. Most you can, people wouldn't care what the engine under the hood is, though. No, well, right. maybe. Depends on the demographic of where you're taking your poll. But everybody wants, look at the way things are marketed, right? Look at the way Subaru has like a dude actually hugging a freaking tree <laughs> in the commercial, okay? We understand We understand who Subarus are for, okay? Yeah, we we understand. That's who, that's what a Subaru is for. Yeah. Look at uh, what the Ford Bronco is going to be marketed towards. It's going to be marketed towards people that explore. Uh, or the or the Rivian is going to be like the, the upper class dude that still wants to have a blue collar vibe and have a truck but still wants to be environmentally conscious right. all of these things are directed at a certain type of people who are enthusiastic about what they're buying okay anything that's a, a mid-grade or premium or above all the appliance cars that stuff that you're talking about those are like civics and and priuses and stuff like that those people don't care which are the best-selling cars they do sell a lot of them but don't make yes. it seem like it's this some blanket 95 okay. for the thing. sake of my point that you won't let me get to because it's wrong no just let me get to my point for the vast majority, if I was like that where I didn't care and I just needed an appliance car, it's hard to argue with this, with this mindset, with this type of regulation saying, yes, let's do better for the environment. If people need, hold on, if people, bite your tongue, sir. If people need to have a car, let's make it environmentally friendly. I would be okay with arguing that if you didn't take it into a larger perspective. Right, put things in perspective, and when you look at how much you the can't, shipping though. industry, I understand that we but you talked can't, about this last I week. I know, but you can't take this out of perspective because then it hides what they're doing. What, so, what are they doing? It's okay. so obvious what to are, me what, what are they doing. They are making it easier uh -huh. for you to buy. They're even Why? giving. They're, Why? Listen. They're making if it's it, not about the environment. It is about the environment. And then it, why aren't they and going it is after about, the true culprits? Because it's too hard. It's, <laughs> it's too hard. The maritime industry is not regulated by any one country. You can't just go to like, uh, to like you can go to Germany and be like, hey, no, we're going to crash your economy because we're not going to buy your cars anymore if they're not this, that, or the other thing. So it's very, very easy to focus in on the automotive industry. Plus, it's Something you use every single day. Nobody, yeah, you can nobody, see it. Ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of people don't 
think about the maritime or shipping industry at all. That's they don't what I have think, a problem with. Okay, fine, but that's. It, what do you want them to do? Do you want them to be like, oh, let's spend all this money on a marketing I want campaign? People for people to know that you can drive 50 million cars for the life cycle of one Great. giant you, shipping container ship. Great. Now, everybody that listens to the podcast knows that. But it doesn't matter because that's not what's happening. You're being an idealist. I'm being a realist. These people. <laughs> no, you're being a pessimist. <laughs> I'm not a pessimist. It's right here in black and white. We know what they're doing. They're giving. They're, they're saying there's going to be more taxes on the bigger vehicles, which are. By, Next by tell me this is all social engineering. By 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 miles, it's luxury cars, uh-huh. it's SUVs, it's everything that expensive. Every single Mercedes that's like maybe a E class and above is going to weigh more than three thousand nine hundred pounds. Oh yeah. Okay. So every luxury car, every SUV, everything else, all the all guzzle gas, they're all for rich people. Blah blah. We're gonna we're gonna punish them. But we're also, so we're going to charge them money, get money, and then we're basically taking that money mm-hmm. and we're giving it away as tax credits to give to other people. Basically, pe- it's the French Robin Hood is what you're telling me. Sure. Yeah, if you want to look at it as, as it simply as that. But the end goal isn't isn't uh, to help the poor. The end goal is basically. I never said it was. It, what's that? I never said it was. Well, that's, what Robin Hood, that's what Robin oh, Hood was. That's what Robin Hood was. It's it's to help the environment under the guise right. of social engineering. Okay, so uh-huh. you're you're using wealth redistribution here. You've got these, you've got you're you're giving people a thousand euros to buy a used electric car. Right. That's an incredible shift. That's an incredible push in one direction. Right. With without saying that the other cars are illegal. It's yes, you can still drive your your petrol, you know, whatever it is, your Citroen, Renault, your Renault, your Citroen, or or whatever. You can still drive that, but guess what? If you get if you sell that and buy this, you get like a thousand euros. And if you're poor, we'll give you two thousand euros or twenty five hundred euros. Hell, why don't we just subsidize the whole thing? You know, it, and I think one of the reasons they they have to do this is because all the electric and uh or the EV cars are expensive. Oh, for sure. So they're trying to level the playing field a little bit and make it available. This is always one of my huge complaints is that all of this stuff is going to make it impossible for people to own cars. It's just going to make it really, really difficult. And this is probably one of their ways, kind of an end round around that. But if the infrastructure fails, like you said before, it doesn't matter. The state will pick up the slack. And that's in the end, that's really what they want anyway. Nope, they don't want people driving cars. That's that's the end game. It's just way down the road, and it's little piece by little piece by little piece. All right, everyone take off your tinfoil hat, and let's move right <laughs> along. So, Chris, what is the most gaudy option you can get on your new Mercedes-Benz grandpa car? It, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has got to be... It's got to be the light up thing on the grill. Exactly. The illuminated. Have you ever seen those driving around? Have you seen on those? On the grill. Yes. They're it's horrible. so dumb. They're so horrible. So dumb. The illuminated star badge on the grill of new Mercedes vehicles is the source of a new recall, Chris. According to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, an incorrectly installed electrical ground for the illuminated star badge may cause other systems to stop working. Specifically, the bad ground may lead to loss of power steering, failing wiper motors, or malfunctioning headlights. Imagine your head. <laughs> you know your wipers are going off, your you headlights are flashing, the steering is going on limp. But your your little headlight girl, everybody knows how rich you are when you're crashing. <laughs> exactly. So- hey, that idiot that just ran into that bakeman's driving a Mercedes, I can tell. Yeah, so apparently these other systems share a ground connection with the light-up star, and since any of these 
What's problems. The, if something's not working in your car, what's the first thing you always check? Oh, it's grounds. Check the grounds. Every time. Check the grounds. Unless you're in the SSC Tuantara and it all has gold, gold pins, right? Right, and you so don't then need to do anything. So then it's nothing yeah, there. But no crashes are known to have occurred as a result of this defect. But of course, Chris, the true concern with this is that other drivers won't be able to immediately recognize from a half mile away that you are driving the latest and greatest Grandpa Mobile. <laughs> Oh, it's the worst option ever. I just, oh man. It's, it's so bad. It's like people that walk around with like a Louis Vuitton purse that says LV all over the entire thing. It's it, <sighs> the, the brand horrorism is just out of control. 100%. Hello. Mr. Mr. Joel Fetter. It's Joel Fetter. Oh man. It's been so long <laughs> since we heard from you. It's, it's really great to hear your voice. It's it's good to be here heard. It's it's been a long six weeks, man. Yeah, I bet it has. We know that you're uh, you're basically Robo Joel right now. You've got a <laughs> you've got a brand new knee, and it's uh, I know that I could probably say that you know I know I'm rooting for you. I know all the listeners that love you are rooting for you. So uh, get well. I took my first steps today. I took the brace off. I'm starting to wait there. We're I'm hopefully driving soon. That's awesome. Nice. It's it's a bummer that we got snow, so I can't take you for a ride in the 911. You're just gonna have to pleasure delay that till next year. <laughs> no so chris the new hummer is here yes and who better to talk to than our own resident motor authority correspondent joel fetter i got bad news for you jake what you're not gonna have a volkswagen key and it is not a hummer h3 <laughs> i know so on tuesday gm's Truck and SUV division unveiled the 2022 GMC Hummer EV pickup. So are you telling me it's going to be branded as a GMC, not a standalone brand? It is because they don't have the Hummer brand anymore. They own the trademark, right? But they don't okay. own, they, they, there's no Hummer dealerships. Uh, and so they, they just, it's going to be a Hummer brand of vehicle sold under GMC. So there's two GMC badges on it. There's one little small one on the front driver's side of the, the front. And there's one small one on the tailgate. That's it. It's, it's kind of like Grand Wagoneer. It says Grand Wagoneer. It doesn't say Jeep. Right. Same deal. Interesting. So it says Hummer V, but it is a GMC. It'll so be sold at GMC dealers. Does, gotcha. does Jake want one of these? What do you think? I, I So here's the deal. Give this us the is, deal. This is I, I called it on, so when the first CNN, uh, an ad on CNN got leaked and then, uh, or accidentally ran, and then G, uh, Jalopnik ran it, uh, Basically, I took that was the first time I saw the physical truck, and I, and I tweeted out, "So it's a bro dude version of the Rivian R1T." And then I got all, and then I and then I got all the information, the specs. I'm like, "It is a bro truck dude version of the R1T." Like, it, so it, Jake it, does it, want it. That sounds I, like right up Jake's exactly. alley. So it is totally Jake. This is I so didn't care dude. about this thing honestly, Joel, until I saw it, and now I now I of want course it. you did, of now course I you did. It. And so so here's the thing. They, 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 the, the watch the freedom mode, which is the absolute worst marketing <laughs> crap ever. So explain it, this. Watts to freedom? Watts, watch the, so basically, it's WTF mode, but they had to come up with something other than oh, WTF. Oh, okay. Ah, thank you. Thank you. So it's WTF mode. So you put in WTF mode, and that's how you get zero to 60 in three seconds. And the what, but, 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 but zero it, to freedom? Is that what you're telling me? It, it, well, here's the thing, though. It, it's a whole process. You do it, and it has like oh. the animation on the screen, 
and then oh, it has no. the warnings. It's, it's like Tesla thing, right? The warnings. Yeah. Do you need uh, to put a special but, key in to make the spoiler come up or something? You don't. But what happens is it rumbles the seat with the vibration. <laughs> no. So it uses the GM's backup safety system to vibrate the seat. If you're about no. to hit something, it uses that to rumble the seat like I'm about to take off for launch. And uh, basically, what's happening during all of this when it's preparing you, uh-huh. right? It's it, it's actually repairing the vehicle. So what happens is it's kind of cool, kind of innovative. It lowers the air suspension all the way down, which yep. is cool. And unlike, because the reason Teslas can only do a zero to whatever run so many times for the battery needs to cool down, right? The reason it does that is because it only has so much thermal management. What GM has done is, now hang on, most electric cars that are advanced today have liquid cooling, right? right. So the, only the first gen Leaf had air cooling. Uh, but, 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 you know, Tesla, Porsche, all these cars have, liquid cooled batteries but what gm's doing on this new altium battery for this vehicle is when you put in that wash freedom mode and it lowers it down and preparing you it recirculates all of the coolant for that liquid cooling at, a, at the highest rate possible to super chill the battery so that it can yeah. deliver all the punch it's kind of cool like yeah. that's the, the technology behind it you know what's cool my cat has the same technology my cat does the same thing where before it's about to pounce on something, it kind of crouches down and like yep, yep, <laughs> wiggles yep. its butt back and forth so, and then so, jumps. So, and then... so the technology behind it is cool. The marketing behind it is crap. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. Rivian's marketing that they can do the same thing, 0, 060 and three seconds flat. And they have less power. Okay. So what does that They're mean? All... Well, so the interesting thing, so there's a lot of interesting things. So the GM truck is going to have a max of a, they haven't confirmed it, but it's my understanding about a 250 kilowatt hour pack. The largest pack is going to be in a Rivian R1T is 180 kilowatt hours. Wow. Rivian saying over 400 miles of charge. Hummer is saying 350 plus. Yep. So my there's there's something going on here somewhere between the well, two. Well, the Hummer the Hummer the Hummer weighs I bet you a metric shit ton. <laughs> uh, the Hummer has better. Well, if you're going to carry around all that patriotism with you everywhere you yeah. go, it's got to be heavy. Exactly. It's all yeah. that freedom you're carrying around. <laughs> Freedom's heavy, man. It, Freedom's it, heavy. It, but it's also going to have a 30. It comes with 35. It can yep. have a, it can fit Especially up to engineered, Joel. Especially engineered 35-inch tires. And they're not Shut Wranglers, up, I'm getting. I don't know Shut what up, that means, but that's what Shut you up, wrote. Dude. This is from your article, Joel. Did I write that? Yes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, straight from like say. straight it, from it, your it, article it, here, Joel. It I want to. It can fit three sevens. It's oh cool. my god! Oh, that is cool. I wanted to run down some of the the headlining features. So air run suspension, the obviously, those yep. specially engineered thirty fives. Three hang electric. On, hang on, hang on. What? There's something in the air suspension. That air suspension yep. goes to, if I remember correctly, don't quote me. I think it's fifteen point nine inches, and the original Humvee went to like sixteen. So, so like, yes, it's called extract mode, which is correct. the coolest thing ever. It lifts the truck an additional six inches to give 15.9 inches of total but ground clearance. But you can only do that when going slow. We confirmed that. Okay. And so it's, it's like you can't drive down the road like that. Right. You can't. It's like um, locking your diffs in the old Audis. It's exactly what this is. This is locking your diffs. Yep. Um, but extract mode. I will buy that marketing. Except extract way less mode. cool. Locking differentials there's, there's, are cool. There's, there's crab mode. It's four wheel steering okay. and allows all four wheels to turn in the same direction up to ten degrees to go sideways. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me let me talk about this, Joel. Because okay. 
So yes, but it only has 10 degrees in the rear, right? And here's what's funny. The little promo video on the official GMC website clearly shows the animation of the Hummer driving at more than 45 degrees sideways. And then it has a disclaimer down at the bottom, a small print simulated vehicle shown. Actual production model may vary. Well, 10 degrees isn't great marketing, bro. I know. Well, my point is 10 degrees sideways is not that sideways. Like crab walk will not be a sideways crab walk. It'll just be, you can basically change lanes. Well, but you're going to be using this off road. Like, I, know. I mean, and for the record, 10 degrees is, it, it, it doesn't sound like a lot, but if you see a car that turns its wheels 10 degrees, you think that shit is broken. It's a lot. <laughs> if you saw it's a car a driving down the road with 10 degrees of, uh, of, of tow in on well, one side yeah, and negative 10 on broken. the other side, and it's like, driving up. Like, 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 if you look at, if you do it, if you look at like a CT6 or a, a new S class, or even the new 911, when they can do the four wheel steering, only a couple degrees, you look at it, you're like, that shit's broken. Like, <laughs> it, they call it, it dog legging. It looks trippy, like legit. Yeah. Uh, more than 350 miles of driving range, as you said. I mean, that's... But that's, that's the top battery pack. So there's there's going to be four models, three battery packs. Right. The first model is the launch edition next year. Then... The edition the, one model, Joel. Which is sold out instantly, which is like 112 grand. Holy shit. 112, 595. So my with, thought is... This, destination... That this battery pack difference thing is how the manufacturers are gaining margin on their products because adding more batteries really isn't costing them that much money um, at at the at their level, but they're charging consumers a lot for it. So I think that's a I huge. Disagree margin. With that. I disagree you, with that. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Joel. Hang on, I disagree with that today. Battery cost today is a lot, and I'm just so saying that the the cost that they're they are charging you for it is high margin. Sticking all of that in a Humber and pricing 112 makes them more money to break even than it does on a bolt. Right. Yeah, if for I sure. If I lose money on a bolt where they're going to make money or at least break even on a Hummer, this shit's expensive. But the base Hummer for like 80 grand isn't getting here until 2024. I saw that. The EV2, they're going to call it. That's only going to have two motors. That's why it's EV2 versus EV3. Why did they rush this so much if it's not coming out for four and a half more years? So no, no, no. The first it. one will be out. <laughs> The this. first one's next year. Okay, okay. I'll just there, It's a slow rollout. Rivian's doing the same thing. Rivian's rolling out the 180 pack and then the 110 pack or the, uh, the 130 pack and then the 110. I mean, they're all doing, because it's a ramp, right? Yeah, it's, it's a, a mini pack. version of what Tesla did with the, with the Model S, basically. Right, it's a ramp. Yeah. I mean, everyone's doing the same, the game, and you launch with the most expensive one, just like Tesla did, to recoup as much of your cost, right? Um, look, the bottom line with this thing is, Jake's gonna want one. Yeah. He's got a hard on. It's so bro, it hurts. Like it makes the PR, <laughs> it makes the Hellcat pickup truck PRX, which minor plug. We have our first drive review going live tonight at midnight Eastern. You should check it out. Just read it. Ooh, it's good. The pictures, ooh, it's good. Did you write but, it? I did not write it because I that's can't saying walk. Something, <laughs> I can't well, yeah, walk. but I know. How was I gonna get to the Tahoe? <laughs> <laughs> but but so, so but I digress. It's good. You should beat it. But it makes that truck not look grow enough for Jake. Wow. Yeah. Well, this so back to the Hummer. It has, from what I can tell from the marketing photos, like removable glass roof panels too. Yep. How cool is that? It is pretty cool. So is this just going to be for people that think the Bronco is cool but have more money? Well, Bronco isn't electric though either. No, but it's the same type of. You know, removal yeah, roof, I mean, off no, road, blah no, blah blah. I, I I think I think that 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 Chris is right. I think okay. that you know Bronco's cool, but I'm rich, so I can buy something even more expensive. Right. 
I'm going to buy these when they first come in the used market. Yeah, that's the way I feel about the Bronco, too. Bronco, all this stuff that's coming out that's yeah, new. Yeah, I think is, Bronco's fairly priced. i got to be honest. Like, I really don't feel like... No, I'm not saying it. it's out. Yeah, it's not outrageous. I still think that the the hype is really real right now, and people are paying premiums for a spot, blah, blah, blah. Hang on. I just, the premium thing is stupid, but, like, I think, I mean, Wild Track is priced just like a... a uh, they, they priced it right on top of a Wrangler, and, I mean, yes, Wrangler seems expensive, but, like, this also has independent front suspension. This has got the, I mean, this has got features Wrangler should have, frankly, yeah. right? Like, so well, oh, hang on. Actually, I don't think Wrangler should have independent front suspension. So don't, don't quote me there. But he, anyway, Jason will want this. Yeah. It's cool. And yeah. here's the thing, though it's capable. In my opinion, it's going to be capable. That's the key. Yeah. I'm so it's sick capable. of stuff that, because the original, like your truck, your H3 was not capable. It's you know, it more capable than you gave it that's credit for. Joel, uh, actually, it was pretty. It was pretty capable. See, no, thank you, Joel. No, you need I, to come on more often. I mean, the Volkswagen <laughs> key thing was stupid. Oh, that was but, awesome. Uh, but 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 it was capable. But here's the thing: so it, it's capable, but it's what it's going to do. It's what Rivian, what Hummer, what Lucid, what all of this is going to do is it's going to move us past this era of oh, if you don't have a Tesla, you don't have a cool electric car. We're yes. now starting to get into the era where this stuff is cool. Like yeah. They're starting to build stuff for Jake's of the world and Joel's of the world. And yeah. someday we'll get to Chris's of the world. I and know we won't. I don't. <laughs> As we clear, we never will. All right, Jake. Or, uh, I'm sorry. All right, Joel, we're out of time. We're, uh, we got to let you time. go. We're, uh, we're running out of time for this. We really appreciate you calling in. We miss you, wish you the best of luck in your recovery. I miss you guys. And, uh, it sounds Cyber like, Joel. Cyber Joel. We'll see you soon. I look forward to it, boys. Talk All right. Take later. care of yourself. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, last story of the day. All right, I got a little bit of mood music for us. All here. right. All right, so have you heard of Cyberpunk 2077? Not before an hour ago when I came to the studio. So it is one of the most anticipated video games. I'm not a, a gamer guy, game. but I wish I would have known about this. It, it is seems great. awesome. It, it is great. So um, basically what this is, is it's this, uh, I don't want to say, it's not post-apocalyptic because it's, it's just, it's definitely future futuristic. Set. Yeah, and obviously it's 2077. It's, it's 20. Yes, it's 2077. As is yeah, aptly named. Yeah, so I think that it's kind of if you think of GTA, it's right. Very that's what I said to, because it's an open map. You have a lot of driving, but it's yeah, not about. It's not like a do. racing game. But there is racing in the game. That's one. Okay. So the, comparing it to GTA, is saying like Grand uh, Theft Auto, that yeah. whole. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto franchise. But they haven't had new Grand Theft Auto in a long time. It's it's been a while since Vice City came out. But saying it's like Grand Theft Auto is kind of like saying Full Metal Jacket and Hurt Locker are the same just because they're both films about the military. It's a genre, okay? Right. So it's it's kind of a genre that's come out. There's been a lot of other games that have come out in in this genre. Um, You've had, uh, I can't think of any of them, but I've played them them all. Okay. Um, so basically the, the point of this game is to take the riskiest job of your life and go after a prototype implant that is the key to mortality. So in this game, you've got, yeah, I know, right? Wow. So you've got all kinds of different body modifications you can do to yourself to make yourself better, faster, whatever. Um, the cars in this game uh, look incredibly detailed. There's there's tons of detail, interior, exterior, engines. Um, driving is going to be really centric to this game. And there is going to be racing okay. in this game. And the car that I'm going to want to drive... Well. It's the only real model in think, the whole lineup, yeah, it's right? Virtually, it's virtually the only real car, and it is a 1977 Porsche 930 Turbo, and it looks rad. I did notice a mistake on the car, though. I think you're wrong. Uh, it is 1977 yep. is non-intercooled, and it has the non-intercooled turbo tail on it. 
There's no way you can fit an intercooler in there. I'm telling you the truth. There's no intercooler on a 1977 with that tail. The, the way that it comes down in there, the, look at the look at the yeah, later that's like a the, three liter, isn't it? Not the three point. I'm not sure the displacement off the top of my head, but the the intercooler sits on top of the engine flat, and that's why when you right. look at the later turbo tails, it's, it's flat the across. Big wide, yes, yeah, the tail big tail. wide, big thing in the middle. This kind of goes it uh, goes down into the engine compartment a little bit more. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, Porsche recreated the car too for an ad, which yeah. we'll put in the show notes so you can see the actual car. Which I'm. I'm a really excited, but B, I don't know how they are the only manufacturer that like caught on board with this. Right. Yeah. I, I honestly, I actually, I do not know. But uh, one of the coolest things is when this uh, game came out, they had this huge trailer that came out, and then uh, all of a sudden there was this. Wake the fuck up, samurai. We have a city to burn. So you imagine this, you're watching this trailer, this whole movie, right? Yep. And all of a sudden you see this guy come up and say, wake the fuck up. We've got a city to burn, right? And, and then it's, it's Keanu Reeves just Keanu standing Reeves. there. It's gonna be, he's one of the main characters. His name is uh, He John. voices the main character. Yeah, he voice, voice, and it's actually his persona. He doesn't just voice the character. It's Keanu it, Reeves. It is Keanu Reeves. In, <laughs> in the movie. And he's, his name is Johnny Silverhand in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the game. So I'm really, hand. really looking forward to that. Um, I think that's all we have time for today. I think we're out. I think that's it. That's it. Okay. Well, many thanks to uh, Jay from Road Solutions for coming on the podcast. And, of course, Joel Fetter as well for hanging out with us to talk about the Hummer. We'll be back on Monday with an awesome interview. Yeah, Hot Wheels. With none other than the designer of Hot Wheels. Yeah, designer of Hot Wheels and Luke, who is a uh, – he, he customizes he is, Hot Wheels. Yeah, so he's, I'm, like, notorious as the Hot Wheels customizing guy yeah it's awesome we really look forward to seeing them and we will see you as well on monday take care